That ball you want to take? That there's a mistake. Callahan. Callahan's a poser. Yeah, and what do you know that every scout and coach on earth does not? I know we got sacked 12 times last year. No, it was 11. It was 11 times. Yeah, well, four of them were mine in one game. Yeah, I remember. I, I, I saw your highlight reel. I also remember that he beat you. Watch it again. Don't watch me. Watch him. Watch me sack him four times in one game, then watch what happens after. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the BF War Room. My name is Steve Mathis. You can find me on Twitter at Judge Mathis. Joined, as always, by Randy Hardman. You can find him on Twitter at Randy underscore Hardman 52. And as always, we are here every single week to talk about the week that was in college football. Talk about the Buffalo Bills ever-changing draft needs. Uh, and we got three positions we got to hit on today. Uh, and draft prospects at the Buffalo that you should keep your eye on for the Buffalo Bills this weekend in college football. But let's get started, as we always do, with a, a roundup of what happened in college football week seven. I want to start, Randy, with LSU and Ed Ogeron mutually parting ways. Uh, have you seen the details of this divorce between Ed Ogeron and uh, LSU? I, I've heard some of it, and uh, <laughs> it's it's not good. Uh, for, uh, for Eddie O. Um, so, so two years removed from a national championship, he is accused of trying to hook up with uh, one of the donor's wives, pregnant wives. Um, since divorcing his wife, he's had multiple uh, girlfriends on the sidelines of practices, and he's letting their kids into drills. Uh, I don't know if there's very many kids running Oklahoma drills, but uh, maybe they do there at LSU. Uh, and there's obviously a, a lot of those pictures of uh, various young women in bed with Coach Ed O, uh, who's hitting his midlife crisis. Uh, well, let me let me step in LSU for a second. Career here. <laughs> there's there's nothing wrong with allowing your your side girlfriend's kids to participate in drills. If anything, that's called cultivating a family atmosphere. <laughs> okay so so no no issue with that now having the girlfriends in the first place totally separate issue but yeah letting the kids in trails especially if it's against the players yeah uh so i mean some really super interesting stuff there from uh from coach eddie o and and I, I was thinking about like who would be the front runners for that job like early on we've mentioned a guy on this podcast a couple of times who's having a heck of a season at baylor uh, rebuilding that program again or picking up, I guess I should say, where, um, oh goodness, I'm blanking on the coach of the Carolina uh, Panthers na uh, name. was Head coach of the Carolina Panthers, why am I blanking on his name? What is his Matt name? Rule. Matt Rule, picking up where Matt Rule left off. He had a couple of tough seasons there, Dave Aranda, but I mean, Baylor's really rolling now. Um, you know, obviously Joe Brady, who I know wants to be an NFL head coach, but, you know, Sam Darnold might put the kibosh on that if Carolina season keeps uh, uh, going the way it's going without Christian McCaffrey. And the name I want to bring up, and I want to bring it up because there's a couple of draft prospects too, Billy Napier from Louisiana Lafayette. He's 33 and 12 in uh, three seasons at, it's now Louisiana. They took the Lafayette out, I guess. Two and one in bowl games. He's five and one this year. He coached at Bama. He was a wide receivers coach and offensive analyst. Coached at Arizona State. Uh, and uh, he's got two really good uh, offensive line prospects in match Max Mitchell, the offensive tackle, and AJ Gilly, who I can't tell if he he's a redshirt freshman. I can't tell if he's draft eligible or not. The COVID rules got me really confused and wrapped around. But Billy Napier is a coach uh, that I'm really intrigued by for that LSU opening. But I don't know any anyone that you think might uh, fill in. I saw Mel Tucker's name get thrown around. Obviously, the DC, uh, the DC at Oklahoma used to be at Ohio State. I'm blanking on his name. He's always thrown around. Uh, Alex Grinch. Um, there's a ton of names. Anyone stick out to you? Yeah, I mean, well, I think personally, if you're LSU and you look at the landscape of the SEC, I think they're going to try and swing big. You're um, going to have to. Oklahoma and Texas going to be joining you soon. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, you got Lane Kiffin at Old Miss and you got Nick Saban down there still. I think they might try and make a play for Dabo. I mean, I heard Dabo's here in the Dabo's here in that. And he hasn't, uh, he, uh, he has already sort of squashed that a little bit, but you, you think that might be, uh, you think you might have I, actual interest? I think with these college coaches, what they say means absolutely nothing when it comes down to how much they're offered. You know, yeah. he's, he's in a situation at Clemson where they, they're coming into a season. He doesn't have a, a pure answer at quarterback like he thought he did. He's got two losses already. 
less than, you know, halfway through the season. They don't have another Trevor Lawrence in the pipeline. They don't have another Deshaun Watson in the pipeline. Yeah, they still got their four and five star guys coming through in waves, mm-hmm. but it's showing up this year that without that star quarterback, even in you know a weak ACC, they're not at the top. So he might take a look at it and say, you know, I can recruit, I can get in people's living rooms and get the best players to LSU. It's a better prestige program than Clemson is, and look at what I did there. Mm-hmm. So. And plus whatever money they're going to be offering them. So I think, uh, you know, it, it could be a possibility. Probably not, but you can't rule it out. Aside from Dabo, uh, I think you should look at any big name coach that could be looking to make a move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And speaking of Clemson, outlasting Syracuse in a shootout this weekend, 17 14. Boy, uh, that was a barn of, burner, uh, wasn't it? Yeah. A real barn burner on Friday night. Um, Clemson outlasting Syracuse there. And then Oregon survived Cal on Friday night, 24, 17 getting to the Saturday games. Auburn beat Arkansas 38 to 23. Uh, Auburn's got a couple of good corners there led by Roger McCreary, but Trayvon Burks nine for one Oh nine and two touchdowns. AJ Brown 2.0 there. And we saw what AJ Brown did this week, this weekend, uh, or this past Monday, the Buffalo bills, Traylon Burke stock is going to go up, 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 and up as the uh, as the pre-draft process continues. And I'll tell you who else's stock is going up after that game is the, is the Razorback killer, your favorite quarterback in this draft, Bo Nix. Oh, talk no, about it. it. Talk about having a, a nice game. He had. He, he's going to. He go was like he was like twenty three to twenty seven or something. He had a couple couple touchdowns. He had a rushing touchdown, showing the versatility. You know, I mean the in, the. The guy. Judge Mathis special of a of a quarterback right there, the type of guy that you want leading your practice squad to glory, in, Bo Nix. In this draft class, I mean, I'm hearing Tanner McKee getting first round buzz from Stanford. I'm hearing uh, Kenny Pickett's name thrown around. Uh, and I know Kenny Pickett's having a good year, but I mean, come on, it's Kenny freaking we're, Pickett. We're uh, gonna get to we're gonna get to this later. But yeah, I I'll hope. hope. I Bo hope is all go to- these quarterbacks have a great draft process. I hope yeah. they get skyrocketed up boards. Kenny and allow better players to get pushed to us because these guys, this whole group of quarterbacks minus one or two Bad. is just littered with backups. Yeah. Um there there are two I'm buying right now and the rest I am hard selling unless it's uh unless it's like round four or later. If Bo Nix goes any earlier any earlier than the fifth round, I will be shook. I'll be shooketh um but uh you know he was the guy who i mean wasn't he one of auburn's like highest rated quarterbacks that they ever got oh yeah he he started as a true freshman he's got all those intangibles so i mean maybe the light is going on for bonix but i will i will never uh i will never be on that bone bonix bandwagon lsu edo uh out the door beating up on florida 42 49 to 42 uh anthony richardson's probably gonna go uh for florida from here on out. So that should be something fun and exciting to watch as Florida plays. Fall um, from grace for Florida this year. Yeah, huh? A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about them being one of the best teams in the country. And to now me, they're getting beat by a, a lame duck LSU team. A hundred percent to me, this is on Dan Mullen. I mean, I, I liked Emory Jones, but it was clear in the first two weeks of the season when they were, you know, playing the little, the little tiny teams that Anthony Richardson was the real deal. And I know he had that hamstring injury before their big game against Bama. So maybe that played a role in it. But Dan Mullen should have pl- pulled the plug on Emory Jones in favor of Anthony Richardson far sooner. I mean, after you lost to Bama, like wh- where do you really think your season is going? You might as well play the true frosh and 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 get him those those reps, get him those licks so he can come out and he can hopefully win you a national championship in his sophomore season. Huge mistake, in my opinion, from Dan Mullen. That's finally, I think, going to get corrected after Emory Jones threw three picks against LSU, but Anthony Richardson also threw three picks. Uh, and apparently, word out of uh, word out of Gainesville is Anthony Richardson doesn't know very much of the playbook. So that also might be an issue there in Florida. But to me, uh, they rode the wrong quarterback, uh, and, and that's really a, a disappointment there in Gainesville for Dan Mullen, who I thought he had some potential to jump ship to uh to the nfl and i'm not buying that so much anymore for for dan mullen especially with uh the guy who taught him everything he knows urban meyer looking like a darn fool in jacksonville um our boys at iowa rip uh 24 Mm. to 7 they lost to purdue 
Apparently, Riley Moss is the linchpin of that defense because the best cornerback duo, Riley Moss and Matt Hankins in NCAA football, Riley Moss misses the game with an injury. David Bell of Purdue, who is a fast-rising wide receiver, uber-athletic guy, always an under-the-radar prospect that just kind of, he's kind of gone on the radar because of the quarterback play at Purdue, but 11, 11 catches on 12 targets for 240 yards and a touchdown for David Bell, a guy who will probably hear his name called on day two of the draft. Um, any thoughts on that Iowa loss? You know, I didn't get to see a whole lot of it, but um, it looks like they just had one of the, and again, going back to college football, this is a quintessential college football experience. A team going in number two ranked in the country, un, you know, unranked Purdue team, but they're in conference, right? It's the same mm-hmm. conference. Never know what's going to happen. Purdue upends them, and all of a sudden, everyone's rankings go go into the into the shredder. Everyone, you know, it's all it's all haywire now. The only <laughs> constant this year has been Georgia. Georgia. Those mm-hmm. Bulldogs, you know, they, they welcomed they welcomed Kentucky, undefeated Kentucky in, and they absolutely stomped them again the entire day. It may not have been a complete blowout on the scoreboard, yeah, but it was not a close game. Yeah, I mean George George Karloftis, uh, going back to the Purdue Iowa game, the edge player from uh, from Purdue, he's risen into my top ten in my big board. Um, he had himself a day against Iowa, um, but yeah, Georgia thirty, Kentucky thirteen. Kentucky could get nothing going on the ground. They averaged less than three yards per carry, which doesn't bode well for our guy Darius Kennard there, but. You know, it is what it is. I think um, when you play on a team like Kentucky and you're going up against a team like Georgia, like sometimes yeah. shite like that is going to happen. I don't uh, think I hold it against Kennard as much <laughs> um, as much as maybe some people would. Um, that You know, they held Kentucky to 51 rushing yards for the entire game. Yep. Um, it, it was just a, an absolute display of, of defense. Yeah. Jordan Davis, there was, there was a couple plays in there um, where he – a couple that I wanted to point out was in the first quarter, you know, he's, he comes through the line and literally, and they had a great camera angle on it too. credit ESPN for the coverage on this one, but mm-hmm. they had a great camera angle where literally the running back has the ball and straight ahead is this big bear, Jordan Davis, just staring right down at him. And so he cuts to his right. Davis still has control of his, of the offensive uh, lineman in front of him, shucks him off and fills the hole on the opposite side. Like it just impressed. Like he was just controlling his man the entire time with one hand at one point, and then throws him to the side to make the tackle, you know, in the hole, just incredible display of power. Um, you know, really impressive play. There was a few more that were uh, very good as well, but mm-hmm. you know, that Georgia defensive line is just something to behold. Uh, they did a great job Saturday and there's going to be more than just Jordan Davis that is going to have his name called uh, this April. So, or May, I guess it is. We mentioned uh, top 10 on Bruce Feldman's freak list, Tariq Woolen, the six foot four, 205 pound corner from UTSA. Uh, two pick sixes from UTSA this weekend uh, for touchdowns against Rice, neither of them by Tariq Woolen. So, he must be obviously a bust. Uh, all kidding aside, though, UTSA 7 0, University of Texas San Antonio, for those of you who don't know the Roadrunners. 7-0, first ever top 25. They beat Rice. Um, if any of their games make their way onto national television, you know, you're flipping through the channels. There's a Thursday night game on or a Friday night game on, or it's like December 14th, and you notice the UTSA Roadrunners in a bowl game. Keep your eyes on Tariq Woolen, 6'4", 205 pounds. Um, keep an eye on that one of those boundary corners there for uh, for the Roadrunners. He, he very well could be rising up draft boards. Number six or seven on Bruce Feldman's freak list, uh, Tariq Woolen. Ole Miss. 31 Lane Kiffin redemption uh against the team that he left for a better job. Uh-huh. Yeah, the the title is number 4 <laughs> golf ball bowl as yeah. as it was called. Ole Miss 31 Tennessee 26. Uh Lane Kiffin mustard golf balls and all uh was able to pull out a victory. Matt Corral rebounded was injured. Questions about whether he's going to play this week. Uh, and one of the things that I've noticed watching that game is Ole Miss has completely given up on the run game. So my guy, Jerry on Ely is declining by the week, um, averaging less than three yards per carry the last two weeks, not getting a ton of carries, not being utilized very often in the passing game. Um, you know, he's also the thing, the thing is, it's like, normally you'd be like, well, you know, you love Jerry on Ely and the worse he plays, the more he gets up in the draft, the bills might, 
he might be sitting there in the fifth or sixth round and the Buffalo Bills could, you know, take a flyer on him. Well, Jerry Neely is also a really good baseball player. So if Jerry Neely is not going to go in the top half of the draft in the first, you know, three, four rounds, chances are he's probably going to choose a career in baseball. So my dreams of Jerry Neely are, are dying by the day, but we're going to get to Matt Crown a little bit. As I there's other running backs available, though. <laughs> oh, there! I love some of the running backs in this class. It's not a great class of running backs, and um, they were having this conversation on the the tailgate podcast with Mike Renner and Austin Gale. Like, no, not legit. No chance a running back goes in the first round this year. There might not be a running back that goes in the first two rounds this year. Like Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall are going to be fighting for mid to back half of the second round. Be the first running back off the board. What about our guy Ford at Cincinnati? Ford in Cincinnati, he's rising. He's getting up there. Like he, I was having this conversation with somebody else. Like a lot of people think, like, oh, he'll stay another year. Since that, like, nah, he might declare. I mean, he transferred from Alabama, so he's a little bit older for a prospect. He's got those Zach Moss vibes to his game. Yeah. Uh, you know, he had a really good game against UCF. Uh, so uh, you know, he 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 is he's rising up there as well. I like Mike Ford. Obviously, can't forget Isaiah Spiller. Uh, Zach Charbonnet from UCLA is having a really good it's vision contact balance guys this year. That's what it is. It's it's yep. you, you don't have any speedsters. It's it's these five foot ten to six foot 210 to 220 pound vision contact balance guys. That's what this draft is full. This draft is full of Zach Mosses. <laughs> like hey, and uh don't forget yeah. about my guy Kevin Harris in South Carolina. Yes, Kevin Harris in the in the sixth round, right? <laughs> Whatever it is, you know, he led yeah. the SEC in rushing last year for Whatever that's worth. So, but for this year, they're not they're not using them. They're doing like a platoon thing. I don't know what's yeah. going on. Well, South Carolina I, I, sucks this year. I have the same problem right now with the UB Bulls. Like uh, the UB Bulls, Kevin Marks was the number was like should have should have transferred. Like obviously, but he stayed with the program, and it was finally his ch- chance with uh, Jared Patterson gone. And instead of using Kendrick Marks like Jared Patterson and like Dylan McDuffie like Kendrick Marks last year. They're like literally going one third, one third, one third, and it's ticking me off. I think it's cost the UB Bulls a couple of games this year, but no one gives a shit about the UB Bulls. I'm going to keep my mouth shut there. Uh, a lot of platooning sometimes in, in 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 football doesn't make too much sense. Speaking of platooning, there will be no platooning at the University of Oklahoma. Boomer Sooner, 52, TCU, 31. Spencer Rattler has not officially, but has technically officially entered the transfer porter. Connor Williams comes in. 295 yards through the air, four touchdowns, 66 yards on the ground, and another touchdown. Spencer Rattler, QB2 in Oklahoma. He's done, right? So I did not get to see this again. Um, but what I've been reading is that he was disinterested. He was away from his teammates. He was, you know, just basically being, you know, a, a, a brat um, the entire game week leading up to before, during, and after. Um, losing a starting job, which is exactly what we've talked about, is that this guy, yeah. you know, is the epitome of a douchebag. And, uh, you know, wherever he ends up transferring to Duke, you know, where, wherever, you know, you have, you have Duke listed here. I don't know if that would be a Well, well a so, so, so that, that, that's something I wanted to run by you. So to me, you've mentioned all these things about, you know, his, the, the, the aura of his character, what people assume about his character, et cetera, et cetera. It would be easy for him to transfer to Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin and put up a ton of numbers, right? Sure. I, I I think going to David Cutcliffe, going to Duke University might be something where if Spencer Re- uh, Spencer Rattler wanted to rebound his image, to me that would be the place to go. Go to the quarterback guru. Go to go to the Manning's right hand man. Go to David Cutcliffe. Maybe take a couple of steps down in competition. Go to Duke and play for that guy. If Spencer Rattler is having, he's got all the physical tools in the world. But as we mentioned, he's lacking that vision. He's lacking that football IQ. He's not doing this, 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 and this that pro quarterbacks got to do. Go play for a guy who's coached plenty of pro quarterbacks in David Cutcliffe. Go to that quarterback guru, a guy who, if you perform well there, not only is David Cutcliffe going to have your back, Eli and Peyton Manning are going to have your back. And oddly enough, that shit's going to have a lot of sway for you. So if you're Spencer Rattler, uh, Hopping in that transfer portal and landing uh, landing at Duke, to me, seems like an ideal fit. But that was just an idea that I wanted to run by you. I didn't even hear that from anybody. That's just me, yeah. 100% on my own. If he transfers to Duke, I'm taking credit for it. Uh, coming up with uh, a game plan well, for Spencer Rattler. My my idea was a little bit self-serving in that maybe he decides to go to South Carolina where they have no quarterback <laughs> in the pipeline whatsoever. Can I be honest and, with you? Oh, you, know, you can keep going, but 
a little discipline with Shane Beamer might do him some good. (laughs) I think, I think he enters the draft. I think he's got the balls to do it. I think he says, I think he says to himself, Malik Willis quarterback at Liberty. Uh, I think he says to himself, uh, Matt Corral, the, like the, I'm going to compare him later to Baker Mayfield, like a Baker Mayfield type from Ole Miss. Like I'm the, I got all the tools to be the, you know, the Patty Mahomes so, type. I got the re- arm. Re- I got the athletic ability, all this stuff. Like some team, will take, some team will take me in the first round. Rewind here. Let's go back. Yeah. You said Malik Willis, quarterback of Liberty. Well, guess what? He's a transfer from Auburn. <laughs> he transferred because he yeah. wasn't getting PT and he went to, he took a step down and now people are talking about him going in the first round of the draft. Kyler Murray. He wasn't anything spectacular at Texas A&M. He transferred to Oklahoma, got himself with Lincoln Riley. Boom, number one overall. Baker Mayfield got beat out at Texas Tech due to injury, kind of. But he wasn't anything spectacular at Texas Tech. Transfers to Tech to uh, Oklahoma. Bam, first-round pick. In a year when he was not supposed to be a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Nobody was talking about Baker Mayfield going into 2018 as being the number one overall pick. Nobody. I I, I just think that and we're going to have this conversation in a couple of minutes about who we need to go in the draft before the Buffalo Bills pick in the late 20s, early 30s, hopefully 32. Before the Buffalo Bills pick, the more quarterbacks that go, the better. I, I don't know very many quarterbacks. That are gonna, this this could be an EJ Manuel type of class. Like This could be a class where one quarterback goes in the first round, maybe two, and certainly... I mean... One it, guy in the top 10, maybe. And it's, that's just, it's... Right with, now, with, it's... It's Ritter, Willis, and Coral as the top three guys. It, it has to be. I, I I don't have Ritter in there. I I think it's I think it's Sam Howell still. I think Sam Howell has done enough to rebound. He's got the arm. He's gross. Yeah, like Sam Howell has the best arm in college football. I mean, straight up, Sam Howell has the best arm in college football. He's an athletic guy. He can run. His biggest issue is when there's pressure in the pocket, which is really fucking concerning. But some team is going to look at Sam Howell and look at his ability to throw the ball all over the field, short, intermediate, long, see that arm strength and think to themselves, I can I can make I can get this dude's head right. Pro coaching. I can get this dude's head right. Um, they're going to look at Sam Howell and think of guys like Josh Allen uh, like, or so Sam Darnold. Yeah, I, he's not Sam Darnold. He's 10 times the athlete that Sam Darnold is to me. Um, but I think between the years, he might be more Sam Darnold than Josh Allen. But. I, I think there are going to be some NFL GMs that convince themselves that Sam Howell is worthy of a top 15 pick. And I think he'll go sooner rather than later. But when it comes to quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, and Russell Wilson could all be available this offseason. Hell, yeah. Deshaun Watson could be traded within the next uh, couple of days. Uh, rumors ha- has it he might go to Miami and Tua might be going heading off to the Washington football team. So, um, you know, it's there, there are going to be three marquee quarterbacks and the Detroit lions like still have to eat another year. Jared Goff's contract. Like there might not be that many teams trying to buy a quarterback in the top 10 of the draft this year. Um, So it could be really crazy when it gets down to it uh, on who needs a quarterback and who doesn't Uh, could Derek Carr be dangled at some point. Um, But then the Las Vegas Raiders would be in a market for a quarterback. Like who knows? So it's going to be super, super interesting. Um, The only other note I have from this past weekend is Trey McBride is starting to, I think in a tight end class full of, in a tight end class full of Dawson Knox types, right? Like second to third round picks. There's right. no there's no first rounder, but there is a chunk of dudes. I'm talking double digit tight ends with like late two to fifth round ish grades. Like there's a ton of them. Uh, Trey McBride is starting to separate himself. He had seven catches for 135 yards this week at Colorado State. He leads the NCAA. He leads NCAA tight ends in receiving yards. Um, to me, he's really separating himself as TE one in this class. I think once we get into the pro the, the pro days and the testing numbers and all that stuff, maybe like a Jalen Weidermeyer or Jeremy Ruckert can, you know, test off the charts and and surpass him because Trey McBride's not going to put up the testing numbers that they are. But and in terms of the tape, I think Trey McBride is the best tight end in the country right now. Like you ain't going to find very many dudes who play like him. I get George Kittle vibes. I get like Mark Andrew vibes where it's, it's not the most athletic dude in the world, but he, he'll get the job done. Yeah, and with Mark Andrews, I mean, you could, I don't know about you, but I mean, I could see it from a mile away that he was going to be productive in the pros, especially when he got drafted to Baltimore. It's like, oh, yeah. match made in heaven with Lamar Jackson. Um, there, A lot of these guys, the, the tight ends this year are 
in that Dawson Knox range. The question is, are they going to be Dawson Knox where it takes them a year or two to develop? Or are they Jason Mar? Are they Jason Morrow, <laughs> you know, who went to the Jets yeah. and flamed out and never panned out? You know, who are they going to end up being? And and the situation that they go to is going to be largely dependent on how the, they turn out. The tale of two tight ends in that draft class. My two favorite tight ends in that draft class were Dawson Knox and Cahal Waring. I had Cahal Waring ahead of Dawson Knox. I wanted the Buffalo Bills to take Cahal Waring. The Buffalo Bills apparently wanted Cahal Waring, according to um, there was some guy on Twitter who used to be the Bills equipment guy said he was stitching a Cahal Waring jersey when Cahal Waring got drafted by the Texans about 10 picks before the Buffalo Bills. And then the Buffalo Bills took Dawson Knox. So one would assume that the Buffalo Bills had Cahal Waring, who's now on their practice squad because he busted out in Houston. Uh, they had a higher grade on him than Dawson Knox. So the tale of two tight ends when you draft a raw guy, like how are they going to develop? And who knows? Maybe the Buffalo Bills are sitting on Cal wearing and turn him in the next Dawson Knox on their practice squad and have two Dawson Knoxes. That might be nice, but um, I, I, I digress there. Uh, let's shift over now to what the Buffalo Bills need. And uh, after a tough game on Monday night, three things stick out to me, and we're going to take them on one at a time, but I'll list them all first. Number one is the need for a more physical, athletic cornerback. Number two, the second is uh, interior offensive line, preferably like 10 of them. And the third is tight end depth. <laughs> Uh, tight end depth with Dawson Knox breaking his hand uh, and the thought of uh, Reggie Gilliam and Tommy Sweeney platooning at TE1 uh, against the Miami Dolphins in, in a couple of weeks here. But let's start with cornerback. To me, the Buffalo Bills need a more physical, athletic, ceiling type of player to match up with some of these guys like A.J. Brown. You saw A.J. Brown in the third quarter or the fourth quarter of that football game take over. He had all his catches in the second half. He was just having his way across the middle of the football field. And we've seen that from other players before, whether it's Mike Jaziki or uh, Devontae Parker, et cetera. Um, you know, it, we, we've just seen bigger bodied receivers have their way over the middle of the football field against some of the, uh, against the Buffalo sure. CB2s over the years. And I, I, I go back to the fact that Kelvin Joseph and Tyson Campbell were two guys the Buffalo Bills showed interest in last year. I look at a guy like Trayvon Diggs in Dallas as, as an example of a guy you can get in the second round who's raw and has all the physical ability in the world, but maybe wasn't the most refined college cornerback. And to me, that's something that I want to keep my eye on for the Buffalo Bills in the back half of the first round or the back half of the second round. Could the Buffalo Bills break the mold of what we're used to seeing at CB2? You know, capped players like Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson and Josh Norman in favor of maybe a guy who's going to need a couple of years to really figure it out, to really get it right. Uh, and go for like a freakishly athletic type of dude in the second round. And if that's the case, my eyes are on Kyler Gordon from Washington. But what are your thoughts on what I think is a need for the Buffalo Bills at that cornerback position? Do you agree? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I absolutely agree. I think they need to upgrade cornerback too. I've been pretty honest about that for a while now. But, you know, part of the part of the problem is that they didn't just defensively to, um, you know, to, to make up for A.J. Brown. That's a different conversation to have. But Either way, yeah, you do need to upgrade your CB2 out there from Levi and, and maybe Dane Jackson. Um, obviously, we've talked about Sauce Gardner. We've talked about Takirion Kendrick from uh, the Clemson transfer at Georgia. Mm -hmm. Is another guy that kind of falls in that range in the second round where he might be available. Um, the other corner from Cincinnati, Kobe Bryant, RIP. Um, <laughs> you, know, he, uh, you know, he could be somebody later on that would be available. Yeah. Um, Mike Hill Wright from Oregon would be another one. Um, just somebody out there that has a little bit more mm -hmm. ball skill, that has a little bit more speed. You know, it doesn't – Levi Wallace is a is a good player in the NFL. He's, he is probably a starter on a lot of other teams. Not all of them, but a lot of them. But he's not an upper-tier, upper-level athlete enough to, you know, warrant that um, mm -hmm. that ranking. So, yeah, I think there is, there is room for an upgrade there. And those are just a couple of guys that stand out. Jacoby Durant from South Carolina State is another one to keep yeah. an eye on. I mean, I just look at this cornerback class, and my problem is, is this draft class is terrible. Like, uh, I'm going to read you off my top 32 in a little bit. We're going to go through my first round big board, and this draft is really void of talent in some really crazy position. Quarterback, very little talent. Running mm -hmm. back, very little top end, high end first round talent. None, practically. Tight end. You're not going to see a tight end go off the board in the first round. Um, defensive tackle. It's Jordan Davis and then like one or two guys and then literally nothing. <laughs> like there might be six defensive tackles drafted in this entire draft. That's that freaking bad. Um, you know, and then like even safety's not too deep. Like the two deepest positions are interior offensive line, corner. 
And if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, you're scared right now at how bad the depth of this draft is because you're worried that maybe a corner that could have dropped to you in the 30s isn't going to drop to you anymore because there's just a run on corners before 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 pick 30 or whatever. Or you're worried if like, oh, I don't, there's just I just don't like the value of taking an interior offensive line at 30. So I'm going to go with another position and I'm going to hope that a guy slips to me in the uh, in the second round. You know, typically in 2021, four interior offensive linemen went in the top 64. In 2022, two interior offensive linemen went in the top 64. You might see that number double and like six guys go in the top 64 this year in the first two rounds. So is one of them going to slip to the Buffalo Bills in the back half of the second round? You might not have that luxury this year of a Linderbaum falling or a Kennard falling or one of these other guards falling because this draft is so devoid of talent in other positions that interior linemen might go sooner than they normally would. We might not have the greatest pickings of cornerback that we might usually have. Um, those are some of the issues I'm concerned about looking at the, you, the, the board of this draft class. You may see the return of big baller being the draft magician moving up draft boards and trying to get his guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, last year with COVID and everything, they said, well, wait till next year. The draft is going to be, you know, so deep this year's draft class. There's not nearly as many names in it. Oh, you well, know, next year it's going to be twice as, it's going to be twice as good. Well, wrong. next year wrong. has come and it, is not looking that way. I don't know what uh, what we were all looking at last freshmen, year to think that this year fresh, was going to be better. Freshmen are dominating college football this year. Freshmen, yeah. they're dominating. Every I mean, week, was, it's this freshman or that freshman. I was running a couple mock draft simulations, and by the time you get to the middle rounds, it's like, Ooh. you know, I mean, I'm taking guys for depth, and it makes me think, you know, and I sent you one of the simulations where it's like, you know what? I don't need all these middle late round picks. I'm going to trade them away and try and move up to get my guy. Yeah. And that might be what Brandon Bean's thinking when it comes time, you know, for the real serious, uh, you know, draft prep and everything He's like, look, let's, let's try and package things together and move up and get yeah. the right guy and not just a guy. I, I, I posted a mock draft that I loved the other day. I'm like, if you have a problem with this mock draft, you have a problem. You have a problem with me. Like we're going to, we're going to square up. I know. I felt targeted by that. (laughs) Someone commented. They're like, yeah, I love everything, but you, I would have, I would have added a defensive tackle in the middle rounds. And I commented back to the guy. I'm like, uh, yeah, dude, I tried. (laughs) Believe me. It's Jordan Davis. It's Devante Wyatt. It's uh, Travis Jones. And then it's literally fucking nothing like uh, that, that defensive tackle class. It's prospecting uh, is what it is. It's prospecting after that. It is. It is a shot in the dark. It is an absolute shot in the dark with anyone you take after that point. They're just dudes. They are just like Jarrell Worthies out there. It's just a bunch of Jarrell Worthies. Um, just a, after a bunch three. of Harrison Phillips. <laughs> oh, Harrison had one good pass rush in that uh, Titans game. I was like, dude, Harrison looked like a rocket. He looked like he had a rocket up his ass on that one play. Uh, where he got Man, I was game, I was but... such a big fan of Harrison Phillips when we when Huge he fan. was coming out, and I wanted him. I wanted us to draft him, and we did. And I was like, yeah, awesome. One of my guys goes to Buffalo, and ever since then, it's just been like, it's so. I, I wish he was better than what he is. Yeah, it, it, it was so weird. I, I just assumed like, you know, his wrestling background, the hand usage and all that stuff. Like, and it was really starting to click for him before that ACL. So I, I really do wonder if maybe that he's ACL, just not he's explosive. Just, he, he was That's just all. one of those guys that just couldn't come back from it. You know, um, uh, he had very little explosiveness to begin with. And that just took it to just took any amount of explosiveness he had away. Yeah. Um. All right. So speaking of lack of depth in the draft, I wanted to roll through my big board here. Because, like I said, I have a lot of cornerbacks in the top 32 of this big board, meaning these corners might not be there for the Buffalo Bills. I have a bunch of guards in my top 32. Like, it's 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 really crazy looking at this top 32 black, uh, big board. So just so people who are listening are aware, my top 32 big board here, this is not me, like, just going, like, just going by my gut, et cetera, et cetera. This is not, like, uh, Steve, the prognosticator. I've looked at things like the PFF draft board. I've looked at th- things like the TDN draft board. I've looked at things like the Pro Football Network draft board. I've 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 sourced it from a number of things. I have sort of pieced some things together. I've looked at Mel Kuyper's big board, et cetera. Um, and I put together a list that I think is fairly accurate of uh, what the first round would look like mid-season of a college football season. Obviously, the final big board is the one that's going to matter. A lot of this can change over the course of the rest of this college football season. Guys have a big half of the second season. Guys fall off, et cetera. Um, you know, pro day workouts and numbers and things can shuffle guys, you know, up for down for, et cetera, et cetera. But to me, these are the top 32 players that are draft eligible in college football. And I think I have a solid number of guys who will legitimately go in the first round um, 
on this big board here. And I'm going to start with the guys who I think are the blue chip prospects prospects in this draft. And I think there is six of them, six guys who are bona fide studs. Those guys who are going to go in like the top six picks where they should go in the top six picks starts with Kayvon Thibodeau, the edge rusher from Oregon. He is the number one. He's the best pass rusher in college football. Dude's an absolute beast. Evan Neal, number two, the uber athletic, number one on Bruce Feldman's freak list. Uh, having a great year, both pass and run blocking at Alabama. Kyle Hamilton, the six foot four, 215 pound freak boy of a safety there at Notre Dame. And despite the injury, Derek Stingley Jr., the corner from LSU. DeMarvin Leal, the do it all defensive lineman from Texas AM. He can play inside, he can play outside. There's starting to be some uh, starting to be some questions about DeMarvin Neal. He's put up some solid numbers this year, but he struggled against Bama. And then last but not least, I have Aiden Hutchinson, the edge from Michigan, who's just blowing people up, turning, you know, guys who people thought was going to be a first-round draft pick in Jackson Kirkland and just freaking upending him for three sacks uh, in that UW game. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson carrying that Michigan team uh, into the, the, the top 10 team that they are right now. So that's my top six. Those are my bona fide blue-chip prospects in this draft. And there's only six of them, not a lot. Yeah, um, I mean, it sounds about right. I, 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 I would have Gardner up higher than 18 where you have him, mm-hmm. but uh, that's just me. I really like his game. Um, I think he's got a potential to really jump out that first year and be an island-type corner that can lock down half of the field the yeah. same way that he's doing in college. Um, mm-hmm. You, know, you never is- know when it comes to competition level and, and how that yeah. change is going to affect him, but I I just kind of get a vibe off him uh, that he's going to be one of those guys that it's not going to matter. And, and that's... My ranking for Ahmad Gardner is this at, at 18. The knock on him is that the aggressiveness with which he plays will not translate to the National Football League because some of the stuff he gets away with at Cincinnati, he will not get away with in the pros uh, in terms of his physicality and his use of the hands and things like that. So Tell that to the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> uh, but the rest of my big board, I got George uh, Karloftis, who's really rising the edge from Purdue. I think he's right up there with Aiden Hutchinson now at number seven. Uh, Kari Elam, the cornerback from Florida. So my second quarterback cornerback off the board in the top 10. Kenyon Green, we talked about this last week. Offensive tackle from Texas A&M. He looks like he's going to be offensive tackle and not interior offensive lineman like we all thought. A guy who we thought maybe could slip into the 20s and be available to the Bills. Not so much because it's looking like he's going to be a tackle in the pros. And then this is a guy on Bruce Feldman's freak list. He's uber specific to his position he can only be a center he's not a fit for every team but he's that good that i put him in the top 10 tyler linderbaum offensive center from iowa uh 11 i had trent mcduffie a lot of people are knocking him for his size 510 195 but he's a really well built 510 195 and he's just the best cover corner in college football in my opinion right now um so to me i think trent mcduffie is going to be a super riser i got both ohio state receivers 12 and 13 Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. Let's hope as many receivers as possible go before the Buffalo Bills. Anyone that could sneak up there, the better. Andrew Booth, another corner at 14. So now we got four corners in the top 15. I got Ika McQuanu, uh, guard tackle from North Carolina State in the top 15. So again, another guy, Linderbaum, Kenyon Green, Ika McQuanu, all guys who maybe in a typical year could be available to the Buffalo Bills in the 20s and the 30s. They're the top 15 of my big board. Like they'll be some of them will be there. This is yeah, you know, big board versus reality is gonna is gonna mm-hmm. sink in yeah. at some point. Quarterbacks are gonna get moved up to where they shouldn't be just based on the premium yeah. of the position. Uh, let's hope. Let's and hope. some of these guys will fall. Some yeah. of them absolutely will fall. But is it what Brandon Bean wants? Mm-hmm. We got it, uh oh, sorry. You, you keep no, going go ahead. out there. No, uh, that was it. I was gonna say we got Traylon Burks at 16. Um, the wide receiver from Arkansas. We got uh Enigbari, the edge rusher from South Carolina, who I know PFF adores. I think he's gonna have a really good pre-draft process and start moving up the boards. Uh Ahmad Gardner, Sauce Gardner, we mentioned physical aggressive corner. Uh, and then Roger McCreary at 19. So this is now six cornerbacks in my top 20. Here's the three guys that I have a lot of hope in. I have a lot of faith in because the Buffalo Bills don't really need enough to tackle with Deion Dawkins and with Spencer Brown. These three guys are 100% tackle only. They are they are Spencer Brown types. Charlie Cross off to tackle Mississippi State. Trevor Penning off to tackle uh, Spencer Brown's uh, line mate there at Northern Iowa. And Daniel um, Fallel, the offensive tackle from Minnesota. These are guys are F- all... Like, Fallele. Fallele, excuse me. My apologies. 
Uh, these guys are all six foot eight, six foot nine. Falele's 300 and what 70 pounds or something like that. Penning's a big boy at 315, cross another big boy. These are the uh, these are the Spencer Brown types in this draft, but maybe a little, just a little bit more refined enough to be getting that first round buzz. If teams can fall in love with these three tackles, those are three guys off the board that could push a corner and interior off the lineman down. So these are these are three guys I am rooting for in the sure draft nice. process and, and the rest of the football year. Um, we got my boy Drake London at 23, wide receiver, USC, getting those Mike Evans vibes. I see him number one on some people's boards at wide receiver. Kind of hoping he goes before the Buffalo Bills. I got Jordan Davis here at 24. Do you agree with Jordan Davis? Do you think I got him too low, or do you think I got him just right? Uh, so I think as far as a big board goes, I think he deserves to be higher on a draft board. Um, I think a lot of people are going to look at him as a as a at least a rotational two down player to start with, and eventually he might move into being a three down player um, in Buffalo because of the way they rotate. I don't have a problem with him being a two down player. He's going to wreck those two downs that he's in there for. Mm-hmm. So I have no problem with that on my, on my personal rankings, he would be higher because of the premium that we have at that position. Yeah. But I think, I think in terms of overall league wide, probably close to accurate, maybe a little low. Yeah. We got Darian Kennard interior outs alignment from Kentucky. We talked about him a ton. All right. Uh, now I, I have him a lot higher. I have, yeah. him, I, I like him a lot. I So, I think I would have him higher if he was a tackle. I, I pushed him down a little bit because of the premium at the position. Um, so maybe because it's a big board, uh, I maybe should have been a little bit more generous. But to me, I I put him below Cross, Penning, and Falele yeah. because of the premium at that position. So I got gotcha. you. And, and, and I already, you know, I already had a guy like Aquanu higher. Um, yeah. So I, I moved a guy like Kennard, who I think is a, a less of a prospect in the Quanu down a little bit more. I still think 25 is pretty freaking high for an interior offensive lineman, uh, but you're right. In this draft class, he easily probably, in terms of the way they're playing, the way they're playing in college football, NFL ready from week one, Darian Kennard is a better player than Trevor Penning, Charlie Cross, and Daniel Flaley. Yeah. Uh, you project three, four, five years down the road. Is that still the case? That's the question you have to ask yourself. Uh, and we're learning from Big Baller Bean that maybe sometimes that projection uh, even even a guy like um, Trayvon Diggs in Dallas is, is, is a guy where a lot of people are like Trayvon Diggs. He's 40, 45, 50, like freak athlete. But you can't possibly put him any higher because of this, this and this. You know, uh, I, I look those... at it like this. If if Kennard can come in and not multiple times a game, not look like he's an advertisement for a lawn chair, then <laughs> he's doing his job. You know, the. The last the last play of the game this past week was a perfect example of why we need better help on the O line. Mm-hmm. You know that's a that's a combination of watching film and knowing a tendency that Allen likes to do, combined with knowing the weak spot of the of the offensive line and yeah. being able to being able to crash it. Knowing that Feliciano, we've talked about it plenty of times, is a major weak spot on that line and is much better suited to be a swing backup. And they just crushed him, <laughs> and Dawkins too, for that matter. But I mean, but yeah, they they crushed that yeah. side of the line, and you know, there goes the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to get a guy who can stand his ground up there. I think Kennard is is one of the guys that can do it. We got Drake Jackson at twenty six. The edge from USC edge is another position. A run on edges would be really good for the Buffalo Bills to yes. drop a corner or to drop an interior off the lineman. Deep edge class. I mean, I don't even have guys like Majai Sanders or uh, Harrison from Ohio State. I don't even have them in my top 32. These are other guys who can go in the first round. Um, the next I have on my big board is Matt Corral. I'm going to skip over him for a second. Adam Anderson, Edge, Georgia. Do not like him at all because the Buffalo Bills are a 43 team. He's a 34. Skinniest pass rusher you'll ever see, but he's the best pure pass rusher in this draft class. Adam Anderson, Georgia. Wouldn't be surprised if he he rose because I think some 34 teams are going to fall in love with him. Devin Lloyd, linebacker, Utah. The more linebackers that can go, the better for the Buffalo Bills. They're pretty set with Tremaine Evans and Matt Milano. Nicobe Dean sneaks in at 32. And I got uh, Nicholas Petit Frere. Nicholas Petit Frere right now, left tackle Ohio State, is better than Charlie Cross, Trevor Penning, Daniel Flele, who I have higher on my draft board. But Petit Frere is a classic example of he's got short arms, right? So this is a guy who might be better now and might be a solid pro, but he's capped with how high his ceiling can be. Can he be an elite player? He's capped because of physical limitations physical limitations that don't that that aren't that that aren't seen in Charlie Cross and Trevor Penning and Daniel Falele. 
I love Nicholas Petit Frere, the prospect, but I have him at 30 on my big board because of those physical limitations. Um, but if he can go, if those other offensive tackles can go, that is a huge boon to the Buffalo Bills. Back to the quarterbacks now, because we're going to close out here with the quarterbacks. I got Matt Corral at 27. I think people are going to start to be called. People are going to start soon calling him the Baker Mayfield of this draft class in terms of, you know, six foot two, 200, oh, slightly over 200 pounds. He's got a real strong arm, but not the strongest arm in the world. Um, you know, can spread that football all over the field. Uh, comes from that open system. You know, you got Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma. You got Lane Kiffin there at Ole Miss. I think Matt Corral is going to be the Baker Mayfield of this draft class. Baker Mayfield won number one overall. Baker Mayfield is taking his lumps this year. And there's a lot of questions surrounding who Baker Mayfield is and whether he's the guy there in Cleveland. I think despite the fact that Matt Corral starts getting the comps to a guy who went number one overall, his draft stop is also dinged because that guy is not really, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure there are plenty of teams in the National Football League who would take Baker Mayfield right now. I'm sure the Cleveland Browns don't have an issue with him as well, but a lot of people on the outside are questioning um, Baker Mayfield's ceiling compared to some of the other quarterbacks that were drafted in the same class as him. So a guy like Matt Corral is going to be dinged for that. I still think he's the first quarterback off the board, but my sleeper here is at 31. I got Sam Howell still. Biggest can I give college, biggest arm in college football? Can I get you? Can I give you some some little tidbit here about Matt Corral? Yeah, I think that if he goes to an offensive innovative mind like a Brian Dayball, wherever he ends up going, he's going to really flourish. Matt Corral mm-hmm. is a really good kid. Uh, he's got a lot of zip. Um, he doesn't have the biggest arm. You're right. He he can't throw it a country mile, but he's got real good velocity. He's got a quick. He's got a pretty quick uh, quick release if they do a sports science on him. Um, I think it's going to show that too. And he's got good size and, and decent enough mobility at the position. He's not Derek, a statue back. I there. wonder if Derek Carr might be a better comp. Maybe um, it could, it could be, uh, but yeah, I, I, I like Coral and, and I, I like Ritter too, but I think he's got a longer way to go, but he's got good high end, like upside mm-hmm. on the back end. But Coral, I think if he goes to a good offensive mind, uh, like a Dable or someone similar, um, he's he's going to show out uh, fairly well, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I'm not big on Howell. I don't particularly like him. Uh, I, I look at him as Baker Mayfield in a bad way in this <laughs> class. Um, but I would put Malik Willis there over uh, over Howell personally. Yeah, and, and and the question too becomes: Does Sam Howell even declare? I mean, Sam Sam Howell could make a, a business decision and decide to stay at North Carolina and put up another big season there and and, and try his luck. And I'm really surprised that you left your two favorite quarterbacks off of this list, personally. Who are my two favorite quarterbacks? Is this going to be a joke? Who are my two favorite quarterbacks? Well, we know how much you like Spencer Rattler. You guys are Twitter buddies. Uh, uh, you DM each other all the time. And Bo Nix, too. Uh, you, know, you, you guys I, have three-way conversations about how much you, uh, you want to get together. I, I'm convinced Spencer Rattler declares. I'm convinced he declares. I think he's that cocky a son of a bitch that he thinks – that his physical talent alone will get a team to pull the trigger in the first round. I, I think Spencer Rattler declares. Chad uh, Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that should be interesting. All right. To close things out, let's 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 roll through uh, this week in college football and see some of the games uh, that we have on tap. Currently, Coastal Carolina is in a tight one with App, App State, 27-21 with 4.36 left to go in the third quarter for anyone who is interested in what time we are recording this podcast. Uh, we got tomorrow night's a bunch of games, nothing all, all, all too crazy. You, I mean, you, if you want to watch nothing Tanner, worthwhile, on Tanner, Tanner Mordecai at SMU throwing the ball around with Sonny Dykes. Yeah, uh, sure. But we get to watch the case Keenum revenge game against the Denver Broncos. I was really hoping drew lock would have to start that game. So it'd be the battle of the backups and it would be case Keenum versus drew lock. I thought that would be fun, but it looks like it's going to be Teddy two gloves uh, versus case Keenum on Thursday night football there. Um, looking at Friday night, I mean, Trey McBride at six, uh, at nine 30 on CBS sports network against Utah state. If you're in the mood for a little AAC action, you got Memphis and UCF on ESPN two, Uh, and then some pack 12 after dark. If that also floats your boat on ESPN two, Washington McDuffie and Gordon up against the, uh, uh, the shit team that is the university of Arizona. So I don't really know how well they're going to be tested. Um, but, uh, if well, you, if, if you are interested in watching McDuffie and Kyler Gordon, you can, yeah. you can and, and you're up late. Maybe you had a couple of drinks. You can't fall asleep. Uh, ten thirty on uh, on ESPN two. You got uh, Washington versus Arizona. <laughs> yeah, I mean you get to you get to go watch McDuffie and and you know see what he's all about if you haven't had a chance to watch him much, I which is understandable what, because those West Coast teams are hard to catch sometimes. I understand that it's I understand that it is uh, October twentieth, 
Uh, but I have a sneaky suspicion that Kyler Gordon is going to be a player on the Buffalo Bills radar in the late first to late to second round. I think he's going to be a draft riser with his testing numbers. Uh, I think he, you know, he's obviously on Bruce Feldman's freak list. This is a guy who's got a background in dance, ballet, taekwondo, like all these different things. Like his, 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 the way he can contort his body, the way he can move his body, the fluid type of athlete that he is, is honestly phenomenal. I think Kyler Gordon is a guy. I just, again, October 20th. Did you say dance and ballet? Yes. Yes. Did he, did he learn to dance ironically like Terry Hoyts from the other guys? Or was it like, I don't know, but there's this one play. Uh, if you search up Kyler Gordon uh, on Twitter, there's this one play where he gets like blocked and he like literally like contorts his body in the craziest way on the goal line and still gets to the running back. It was quite a sight to see. He's got these he's got some toe tap interceptions across the, uh, hmm. you know, uh, on the sidelines that are absolutely incredible. I mean, this is a this is a guy who's a big athlete at like six foot two, 205 pounds like he can really uh, move with the best of them. He's going to rise up draft boards. In my opinion, it wouldn't shock me if he goes in the first round, people call people are calling me crazy. People I've talked to about me saying Kyler Gordon's gonna be a first round pick call me nuts. I think he could go in the first round. Obviously looking back guys like Kelvin Joseph, Tyson Campbell, Trayvon Diggs, similar type of players, high ceiling sort of guys who haven't quite shown it on tape yet. Typically don't go in the first round, but you know, who knows? Hey, maybe, sure. the, Buffalo Bills, maybe the Buffalo Bills trade back and then trade back up and just, put up a whole man, bunch of ammunition in the second and third round. Uh, but I don't know. I'm really, I'm really high on, uh, uh, on Kyler Gordon, but uh, looking at Saturday, man, not the greatest day of college football. All right. Uh, so yeah, I want to watch, at- I want to see Penn state beat Illinois just for the fact that uh, Brett Bielema is an asshole. Uh, right. Anyone who didn't catch that Brett Bielema uh, this week, when asked why his team is struggling, they are uh, two and five right now. He says, don't look at me. Look at the last coach. All my players suck. A coach is only as good as his players. <laughs> <laughs> Who says that? Wow. Who would want to play for that man? Um, Leader of men right there. Leader of men. I, I'm looking at the 12 o'clock slate. And, and so basically in 12 o'clock, I'll, I'll break it down. You get to watch Cincinnati and Navy. Navy could actually win that game because they're such a weird team to play. But Cincinnati, you got two good corners. You got a good running back and forward, and you got Ritter. At you got Alec Pierce. Don't you forget Alec And you Pierce. got Alec Pierce. I know the the quicker than fast, you know, blue collar lunch pail wide receiver out there. Um, you know, and a couple other players on Cincinnati as well. Their defensive tackle, uh, was it Wizrike? Mm-hmm. The other one. So a bunch of players on Cincinnati to watch. Oklahoma, Kansas should be a walkover. Michigan, Northwestern walkover. Um, really all going all the way down. You can come down to um a game of no significance to to Bills fans, but just should be a fun one to watch is Texas Tech and Kansas State, maybe. And then come all the way down, Virginia Tech and Syracuse. For all the locals that want to watch Syracuse versus Virginia Tech, that one's available at 1230 on ESPN3. ESPN3, I, ESPN I was going to say, I can't even find the station it's going to be on. Yeah. Um, because that's Going into 330 really is where the first game start yeah. to pick up. Oregon-UCLA. So Oregon-UCLA th- sticks out to me. The 330 game, so you got the upset special of Oklahoma State versus Iowa State. Or okay. Oklahoma State should be on upset alert. Iowa State had a nice game last week. Brock Purdy was efficient. He was sharp. He was like 22 of 25 with a touchdown, 200-something yards. Nice and clean. Brees Hall had a huge game. Um, and then Kohler got on track a little bit. So look out oh, for Iowa State in that one. Here's something for you. Pro Football Focus did uh, top 10 players at every position in college football. They had Brees Hall number two, which I think you'll, you'll respect. They had it behind Kenneth Walker. Yep. Charlie Kohler comes in at number 10 on their tight end big board. There's a lot of tight ends. Uh, you feeling some disrespect there for Charlie Kohler? Has he not earned it this year? He hasn't earned it this year because they haven't been throwing him the ball and he was hurt to start the year. Mm-hmm. I think I think when you put him up, you know, apples to apples versus the other tight ends in this class, he's gonna he's probably gonna test well because he's got he's so big and rangy mm-hmm. and he catches the ball outside of frame. But he's, he hasn't had a he hasn't had a great chance to show it this year, honestly. Is he Tommy Sweeney or is he Dawson Knox though? You know what I'm saying? Like, or is he some, some hybrid in between? Because to me, Dawson Knox is that guy who can do what we've seen Dawson Knox do, be an absolute freak on the football field. And Tommy Sweeney, while a competent tight end, he's just a dude. Like he's TE3. He'll catch a couple balls for you like he did. But, uh, you know, when the Dawson Knox gets hurt, you're like, ah, I have to start this guy at tight end. Like, so is Charlie Kohler Tommy Sweeney or is Charlie Kohler Dawson Knox? Well, I think he's a more refined pass catcher than Dawson Knox is. 
So I think, I mean, I think his ceiling is higher than Dawson Knox. Honestly, I put him more in that possibility of being in the Kittle range if he goes to the right situation ooh, and ooh. you know has the has the right coaching around him. I mean, the guy is a talented player. Like I said, he catches. One of his trademarks is the fact that he has good feet and he catches away from his frame. He's not explosive, and he's not he's not really fast, but he's got enough he's he's got enough skill in his route running mm-hmm. that he can get himself open. And when the ball does come to him, like I said, he can high point it. He can catch it outside the frame. He can go through traffic. He goes across the middle. He can do it all. He's just not an upper tier athlete. But mm-hmm. I think you could definitely get Kittle vibes out of him, um, if at all possible. Um, you know, with the right with the right coaching mm-hmm. and all that. So yeah, I do think that's a little bit disrespectful. But again, based on this year's production, it's not. Yeah. Uh, speaking of tight end, UCLA Oregon, like I said, sticks out to me. You got Michael Wright, obviously on Oregon. Uh, you got Bennett Jackson, the the nickel corner. I really like the tight end from UCLA, Greg Dulcich. Um, I think he's a guy to keep your eye on. Dorian Thompson Robinson, Zach Charbonnet, the running back. Uh, Charbonnet Char- is what I was going to mention. Yeah. Sean Ryan, the left tackle for UCLA, who's probably going to kick into guards in the pros, is a guy second, third round that the Buffalo Bills could have some interest in too. So that Oregon-UCLA game has got some names as well and some star power. Uh, that one will be on ABC. Yep. Uh, following that, you have Old Miss and LSU, uh, you know, the continuation of the Old Miss storyline with mm-hmm. Lane Kiffin as to, uh, you know, how they go. LSU has some good players on defense, Damone Clark, Mike Jones Jr., who? Mike, Mike Jones, Jones Jr. Benched. benched. He's been benched. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe he'll, the run. maybe he'll come off the bench and, well, hey, Old Miss doesn't run the ball much now. Remember? <laughs> you said Jerry on Eli isn't getting many touches, so yeah. he might uh, he might get a chance to redeem himself. And plus, you got to look out for uh, Eddie O's girlfriend's uh, two kids that are going to be coming out and playing safety at some point. So uh, after that, you got the ranked 23 ranked Pitt Panthers against the unranked Clemson Tigers. Just a just a poverty, just a poverty program in Clemson unranked um, for like the second or third week in a row. I mean, what are you going to do if you're Clemson? They're probably going to win the if, game. If you um, are. If you are a fan of the Buffalo Bills, you are rooting for two guys right now. You are rooting for Kenny Pickett, and you are rooting for Tanner McKee from Stanford because these are two fast-rising quarterbacks. And if these guys can slip into the first round, that's just going to drop another position player to you. I heard it was on ESPN Radio. It was on ESPN Upstate Radio here, and they were talking about the Heisman uh, potential. Oh, please no. And you know where this is going, right? <laughs> they said legitimately that, you know, they said, who who's it going to be? You know, we, we don't know. It's, it's such an odd year. What about Kenny Pickett? Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. This, these are people that have no reason to say his name, you know, because it's it's upstate South Carolina. It's not right, anywhere me... close to Pitt. Okay, and they're so talking about Kenny freaking Pickett as being in the Heisman battle. Massachusetts against UMass, he put up 272. Two, he hasn't he's thrown one pick this year against uh, Western Michigan. He threw two touchdowns against Massachusetts. He threw two touchdowns, no interceptions against Tennessee. 6 and 1 against Western Michigan. He had five uh touchdowns, no picks against New Hampshire. Uh Georgia Tech he had four touchdowns, no picks, and Virginia Tech he had two touchdowns, no picks. So he's played Massachusetts, Tennessee, Western Michigan, North New Hampshire, Georgia Tech, and Virginia Tech. And he's put up six, 11. Can I 15, be honest? 15, 18, 19, 20, 21 touchdowns to one pick. I mean, he's that's played a, nobody. That's a premium schedule in the ACC, buddy. That is <laughs> that is a murderer's row if you're in the ACC. I mean, you're talking about, yeah, man, Clemson would be, uh, would be hard-pressed if they were playing that schedule on a year-in-a-year-out basis when they were in their prime. Uh, the ACC is whack. It is awful, and it has been awful for a long time. Um, going down the slate of games, App State, there's... App State has tied it with Coastal Carolina to end the third, 27-27, so I know what I... Nice. I'll be watching this in the Phoenix Suns when we are done here. Um, going down the slate of games at 3.30, uh, let's see. If you want to watch Wyoming, New Mexico, that's available, but they don't have a channel for it, so good luck finding <laughs> that game. Oh, um, they, play, they play their games on Facebook Live. Uh, okay, cool. Fun story. Wyoming posts all their games on Facebook, apparently. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you want to watch, uh, hopefully, uh, QB1 Malik Willis uh, at Liberty at North Texas. One four in five o'clock. North Texas. One in five North Texas. 
four o'clock on ESPN plus uh, that might be on the Ocho or something. And then going down into the seven o'clock hour is where the fun starts. So kick it off seven o'clock, Alabama, Tennessee, Alabama ranked number four, Tennessee unranked. Um, shouldn't be much of a game you would expect, but you never know. Tennessee might, uh, might try and make it close for a certain time uh, for a certain amount of time, but I doubt it's going to be close for those After of you who, that. Go ahead. For those of you who have Fox sports too. Nevada five and one Carson strong versus Jake Hayner, my boy in Fresno state five and two. I'm going to have to figure out if I have Fox sports too, because Nevada Fresno state, that's a matchup that I like. I, I really like that, that matchup. Uh, you got Tim DeRuiter there at Fresno state, who is a young up and coming coach. You got Jay Norvell there you're, in Nevada. You got right. uh, Romeo dubs, the wide receiver. You got um, Cole Turner, the tight end for Nevada. Uh, and plus you get to watch Jay Kaner versus Carson Strong. I like that Nevada-Fresno State matchup. That's a sleeper matchup, I think, this week. That is a nice one. Right below that, you have Ohio State and Indiana at 730. Um, probably not going to be much of a game there, but you never know. You know, uh, Indiana might uh, might pull one out. And then it comes down to the probably the premier game in the 730 slot um, is going to be Texas A&M versus South Carolina. No, I'm just kidding. It's Notre Dame at number 13 versus the unranked Southern California Trojans, University of Southern California. We don't call them USC on this program because the real USC resides in Columbia, South Carolina. I I like this matchup personally. Kyle Hamilton versus Drake London would be something to watch if that matchup ever occurs in the secondary. Drake Jackson uh, is the edge player to watch because you want a guy like Drake Jackson to have a big game in prime time when all the lights focused upon that program. If he can rise up some draft boards and he can go before the Buffalo Bills select, that'll drop another blue chip prospect to them. And uh, I just, I love watching Keaton Slovis close his eyes and just whip that football field, football around the field. Yeah. I, just, I love it. I love it. Now, I will go back to the Texas Stadium South Carolina game for a couple reasons. One is that South Carolina actually has a quarterback playing this week in Zeb Nolan. Um, Luke Doty is out for the year. So they go back to the guy that's got him off of that 3 0 start to, to begin the year. So Zeb Nolan is back in. Okay. Um, and then you have Enigbari, the edge defender, mm-hmm. against Kenyon Green. Kenyon Green, the tackle out there. So if they do line up on the same side, that'll be a fun battle to watch. Um, other than that, you know, I, I can't imagine it's going to be a very close game, but there, there's a couple intriguing storylines to that game. Yeah. Aside from that one, you're looking at NC State and Miami. NC State mm-hmm. ranked number 18, coming off a big win that got me my first betting win of the uh, my life ever um <laughs> against boston college they play miami bubba bolden safety for miami uh coming in this game versus nc state um aside from that you got georgia tech virginia nothing really to speak about there yeah. tcu and west virginia could be a fun one to watch no stakes whatsoever neither team is ranked mm-hmm. but they have a couple players uh, on tcu that might be intriguing for us mm-hmm. bills fans Go. and then aside from that i don't see anything else you might want to like uh, oregon or utah and oregon state no, no, I wanted to go back to Indiana, Ohio State. Taiwan Mullen, one of my favorite corners in the draft. Like I said, undersized, five foot ten, 180 pounds. Uh, but you know, I, I really like Taiwan Mullen as a corner going up against Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Yeah, so Thayer to Munford me, too in that game. Yeah, yep. Thayer Munford, Nicholas Petit Frere. Um, so there, there, there's a lot to watch in that Ohio State game. Uh, those wide receivers up against Taiwan Mullen, whoever he ends up matched against. Um, so I'm going to watch that game for a little bit and keep my eye on those two receivers and uh, Taiwan Mullen in that game. But uh, yeah, that's about it. Nothing really other than Fresno State, Nevada, which is oddly uh, tickling my fancy right now. Nothing too much on, on the schedule. Uh, that's intriguing. But oh, typically Temple find... and South Florida. Oh, yes. Yes. We forgot. Yeah. Oh, Temple... at, midnight, at midnight, you have New Mexico State. At one and six versus three and four Hawaii too. By the way. Oh shit! Really? <laughs> you've All right, the, I gotta, the I gotta stay up. Nap, wake up. Yeah. Um, but uh, usually, the worse the games are, the crazier they get. Right? Like every week, you're like, "Man, what a great week of college football that's on the docket!" And then you're like, "Fuck!" Everyone got blown out. And then you're like, "Man, what a shit game of college football this week!" And there's like six triple overtimes and like all this crazy stuff that goes down. Lane Kiffin gets fucking mustard thrown at him. So, yeah. uh, it. Who knows what Lane Kiffin's going to get thrown at him this week? That's that's what I'm looking forward to. And that's can, like when I look at what up Tennessee. Like when I look at the 7:30 slate of games, like you know we're we're highlighting the games where the where the teams are ranked. You know Ohio State, Notre Dame, Texas mm-hmm. A&M. 
But I, I honestly, I look at that slate of games and I look at West Virginia and TCU and think that They're might be the best. Off. That They're might be the best off. game of the entire, you know, seven thirty slate. Yeah. Because it's going to be like a fifty-four to fifty shootout yeah. or something like I, that. You know, Miami, Miami, Manny Diaz, job on the line. I know Cameron Harris is out, but maybe Miami goes uh, at home at Hard Rock Stadium. Maybe they upset uh, five and one NC State. I don't uh, think I know so. Our boy, I know our boy Tilt wouldn't be too happy, but uh, you know, uh, that's something to look forward to. So. I'm not anyway. going to get on Tilt's bad side and pick against the Wolfpack <laughs> this week. Uh, so anyway, until next week, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the BF War Room. We will be back next week to break down, hopefully, the chaos that was Week 8 in college football, preview Week 9 in college football, and continue just uh, to keep our eyes on the prospects and the Buffalo Bills draft needs so uh, we can uh, we can be the best and most informed fans out there come draft season because – for people like me and Randy, there is no offseason. It's always draft season. Uh, and until next time, Randy, go Bills. Go Bills.